excited to kind of share something that uh, I've been learning over the past two years, have learned, continuing to learn, um, and uh, hopefully, you know, you guys can um, share in that. Uh, like I said, it's something I'm still learning. Um, but all right, so uh, story back in June of 2020, uh, like I said, this is two years of, of trying to learn uh, this. Uh, I was furloughed and then eventually let go from uh, my previous job. Um, and actually, um, un uh, like many in the pandemic, uh, I lost my job. But unlike many, uh, I actually felt like this was an opportunity. This is something that God had been um, kind of forming in me. Uh, I had already been, kind of been considering uh, leaving and looking for a new position. Um, and I was hoping for something where I would get to uh, work from home, at least temporarily, uh, as well as looking for something that uh, hopefully paid me a little bit more uh, than I had been previously. Um, and like I said, this is something that uh, with the furlough, with being let go, uh, I felt like this was something that God kind of had for me. Uh, I felt like um, God had been preparing me for this. Um, and so I was, I was, I was ready. Uh, so I spent the next six months, the whole rest of 2020, um, searching for a job. Uh, and it took a while. I kept being told, you know, it, it takes a while sometimes. And especially um, with, with everything going on, it, it, was, it was difficult. Um, but eventually I did accept a job and I found a job, but uh, it wasn't what I was looking for. It was uh, a job as a bank teller, which I'm still at today. Uh, and it was a job that was in person. And uh, I was getting paid about the same that I was being paid before and actually a little bit less. Uh, and so I was just trying to figure out um, why this position. Uh, I did accept it, um, but I was somewhat disappointed. So why was God, why did God bring me to this point? Um, and if you can turn with me to uh, Genesis chapter 40, um, we're just going to pick up where we left off a couple weeks ago. Uh, and Joseph was in a similar position. Uh, obviously, he was uh, in a little bit more... Um, a little bit more difficult of a position than I was in. Uh, he, where we left Joseph off, he was uh, in prison, uh, and he uh, had asked the chief baker, uh, who the chief baker and the, or the chief cupbearer, uh, he has interpreted a dream in prison for the chief baker and chief cupbearer, um, and he asked him to remember him when he goes in front of Pharaoh, and it says in verse twenty-three. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. And so Joseph has been left in prison. Um, we find out in the next verse, which I'll read in a second, uh, he's there for two full years. So um, I'm just going to step back for a second. So we've, we've left Joseph in the spot. He uh, is spending two full years uh, in prison. And patience isn't exactly something that runs in Joseph's family. If you think back to earlier in Genesis, uh, you have uh, Abraham, uh, who had been promised by God that he was going to uh, have a, a son through his wife, Sarah. Uh, he gets to 90 years old, and that still hasn't happened. And so he and Sarah decide to um, try and have a, a child through Sarah's slave, Hagar. Um, and therefore, uh, kind of uh, directing away from, from the promise that God had given him. Uh, and then you think about Joseph's uncle, Esau, who comes back from a day uh, hunting, uh, and is so hungry that he decides to sell his birthright uh, for a cup of lentil soup, or for a bowl of lentil soup. Um, so he couldn't wait the, I don't know, however long it would take to, to make soup or to make something else. He couldn't wait that long to eat 
uh, and decided I'm going to sell my birthright, which is uh, getting two thirds of everything that my father owns uh, as a Jewish person and um, just sell that for, for my immediate gratification now in having this suit. So this is kind of the family that Joseph is born under. Um, and he has experienced a, a lot of lows himself uh, since his uh, age, since his young age. Um, so if you remember back a couple weeks ago, Joseph uh, was given dreams at 17 that he was going to um, be uh, rule over his father, his mother, and his siblings. Uh, that uh, doesn't happen immediately as his brothers end up hating him for it, throw him in a ditch, and are going to leave him there to die, but then decide to actually sell him into slavery. And so he gets brought to Egypt and is uh, a slave and spends 14 years in Egypt, uh, both as a slave and then eventually, due to the situation with Potiphar's wife, uh, his master's wife, uh, gets thrown in prison. Uh, and so, needless to say, these dreams that he had felt God had given him, uh, it, hasn't, it, it hasn't gone as planned, so uh, it doesn't seem like it has at least. Um, so the question that I'm assuming Joseph is asking and that um, I was asking back when I was looking for a job uh, and even uh, after accepting the job, and I'm sure many of us have been asking at different points in our lives, is um, what is God doing when things don't seem to go that the way that we think they should? When we're waiting on God, when we're disappointed uh, by the circumstances surrounding us, uh, when it seems that things are going in the exact opposite way from what God has told us, what is it? that God is doing in that. So what happens next? Well, let's read uh, chapter 41, verses 1 through 8. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile, when out there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek, fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. He fell asleep again and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up. It had been a dream. In the morning, his mind was troubled, so he sent for the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told him his dreams, but no one could inter interpret them to him. And so just a couple things I want to point out before we continue on. Uh, the first is that uh, if any of you know anything uh, about Egypt uh, and about the pharaohs at this time, it's that uh, Pharaoh was seen as a god in the minds of his people. And I would think that if you've been told you're a god your entire life, uh, you probably start believing that you're a god yourself. Um, and so we have the god, uh, the, the one god, speaking to this man who thinks of himself as a god. And at the same time, we have the people of Egypt. These people are not the, the chosen tribes of Israel. So these are the people uh, that haven't been chosen by God, and yet God still decides to communicate to them. And so with all of this going on, uh, I think it's no wonder why it says that Pharaoh's mind was troubled. Uh, the only other person that it's in the Bible that it says was troubled by a dream is actually King Nebuchadnezzar later on in Daniel 2. And so again, we have another situation of a king who considers himself a god uh, being encountered with the one god and, and being troubled by it. Um, one other thing is that uh, the word that is translated mind in the NIV here, at least, uh, is actually the Hebrew term ruach, which uh, in, is normally interpreted as spirit. 
And so there was one uh, commentary that I read where uh, we're going to be, uh, where it contrasts uh, the spirit of Pharaoh, who is, which has been troubled uh, with Joseph later on, which we'll talk about uh, having the spirit of God. And then he goes to his magicians and asks them to interpret his dreams, and none of them can interpret them for him. Uh, it's interesting here that uh, Pharaoh seems to think of it as one dream. Uh, he says that he woke up, it had been a dream. And then the uh, interpretations of the wise men and the magicians seem to think that it's two dreams, um, and that will become significant later on. But we then get to uh, where Joseph comes into the picture. So starting in verse 9. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I am reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants and imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream that same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them. I was restored to my position, and the other man was impaled. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. So we think about that response from Joseph. After two full years of waiting, after 14 total years in Egypt as a slave, as, as the, the low, in, in the lowest positions he could possibly be in, um, he immediately directs the glory of the situation back unto God. And I don't think that's something that just comes from uh, holding on to this nebulous hope uh, and just waiting for that one day where God is going to do something. Uh, it seems to me that this is something that comes from an active waiting, an actively waiting on God. And you can see that if you look back uh, in Genesis 39 at the end of that, uh, it says that the Lord was with Joseph and gave him, him success in whatever he did. And that's in the middle of his time in the prison. He's being, he's being given success in everything that he did in prison, waiting for the one day where those dreams are going to be fulfilled. Now, just in my experience, in that six months of waiting that I had um, when furloughed uh, and, and let go, um, I can tell you that in my lows, I was not always actively waiting. And it's really hard to focus on what God is doing in the here and now, what God is doing right in front of me when I'm waiting for this thing to happen in the future. Um, but that, if I might be reading into the text here, but that doesn't seem to be the case with Joseph. He seems to be looking where God is working in the here and now. So Pharaoh tells him his dreams, and Joseph ends up interpreting it, so we're going to skip down to uh, 20, verse 25. Then Pharaoh, Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterward are seven years, and so are the seven, seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered, because the famine that follows it will be so severe. 
The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God, and God will do it soon. So Joseph interprets this dream, and it is um, God warning Egypt about this coming famine. Uh, This part of the story brings up a couple questions in me, and it might for you as well. The first is, why Egypt? Um, Why does God decide to tell this uh, land that doesn't worship him about the coming famine? Uh, And for me, I think that we have to look a little bit of of the context. Now, Egypt in the Mediterranean is one of the uh, biggest powers in the world at the time. And so it seems to me that God is using Pharaoh's power and God is using the power of uh, this non-Christian kingdom to help provide for the surrounding area. Another thing that I think about is uh, why didn't he just warn Jacob or why did he decide, why didn't he just stop the famine? Why did the famine have to happen? Uh, And these are questions that I'm certainly not qualified to answer, and I don't think there's going to be any human uh, on this earth that is really fully qualified to answer that. Um, but I think if we, when we look ahead in the next couple of weeks, we'll, we'll be able to um, hopefully get at least some form of a, an understanding of uh, why God decides to act in this way. So let's pick up the story there uh, in verse 33. So Joseph is still talking. He says, And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over to take a land, uh, over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by famine. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So we have Joseph's call to action here after this interpretation. And Joseph is putting himself in uh, a little bit of a risky situation. Um, he is just this slave that was, had been in prison for two years. And here he is telling Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, what he should do to prepare for this famine. Um, now, he seems to be doing this in a um, clever way. He's not promoting himself to do it, uh, but he is telling Pharaoh what he should do. Uh, And Joseph also here, when he says to look for a discerning and wise man, he's probably alluding to these magicians and wise men earlier on uh, who were not even able to interpret the dream. Uh, And so they're probably not the people that you should be looking to uh, to help prepare for this famine. And so the context really seems to be indicating that Joseph has recognized this opportunity by God and he seizes it. Uh, He decides this is is the opportunity that God has had Um, warned me about in these dreams when I was younger, and now is my opportunity. God has put Joseph in a position uh, where he is the only one that could have possibly orchestrated it this way, Uh, but he allows Joseph uh, to seize that opportunity and take it. So what does this mean for us? It's well and good that Joseph was able to to do this. Um, And I don't know if any of us are getting dreams that we're going to be ruling over our brothers and our families. Uh, But um, how does this apply to us? I think for me, um, looking back on that two-year waiting period, that's really what struck me the most. Um, 
it's really easy to think that God isn't at work in that waiting period, that it's just God does something, we wait a little while, and then God does another thing, and then we wait a little while. Um, but in fact, um, God is at work in the waiting periods. And so I think about um, my situation uh, for those six months and, and even after, and even now, um, where I didn't get that job that I was hoping for, and I'm uh, in a situation that I wasn't ideal for me, um, in this waiting of for whatever's next or even what's now, I'm trying to actively wait and see. And uh, one opportunity that I have found in this time is uh, in my classes, I'm, I'm uh, being part-time at Conwell, I'm able to uh, spend a lot more time on those classes because of this job. My last job was um, a lot more high stress, and this uh, job as a bank teller is generally low stress. Uh, and so I'm able to, to spend a lot more of my mental energy on my classes. And that's just one opportunity um, that I've been seeing and how God is preparing me for whenever that next step is. So through actively waiting on God, I'm looking now for more opportunities on how to serve him, being able to recognize this one opportunity and being able to now use that to see where God is currently working um, in, in, in the present and not just when, what he's going to do with me in the future. So I think for us, the goal is not to just don't lose hope or to, to hold on to this uh, future promise or even just to wait until we can look back and see what God has done, uh, but really in the here and now, in the present, seeing what God is doing and what, is God, what God is working in right now. So even still, it, it, the, the question, is, it seems that could God have brought Joseph in, into Pharaoh's presence in a different way? Did he really have to become a slave? Did he have to be put in prison for two years? I don't know, probably, uh, but this is what God decided to do. Uh, and it's possible that, that Joseph needed some of this in order to prepare him for what he is about to do. Joseph certainly wasn't in the most ideal circumstances, uh, but that didn't stop him from immediately directing the glory of the situation back unto God. And that's not something that comes from nowhere, but it's something uh, from a life that is focused on actively waiting on God. And so um, as we end this morning, as we head into a time of response, uh, I just want you to think about uh, just a couple questions on, um, on waiting on God. So the first being, in what ways are you waiting on God in this time? Do you feel like that you've been waiting for a long time? Have you had the, those 14 years in between the initial promise? Are you in the midst of those 14 years between the initial promise and that eventual um, achievement? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you right now in that waiting? And what does it look like for you to serve God while waiting? So as we head into the response time, if I could just pray for everybody, and then we can move on into that. Father, thank you for uh, all of the work that you're doing in our lives, um, even when it feels like we're waiting for, for that big jump um, and for that big move, you are actively working. Uh, I pray that um, we are able to, as a people, as individuals, and as a community, um, look to see what God is doing in the here and now, uh, in those little ways that we can uh, be actively serving you. So God, as we, as we reflect on this, um, may we find that uh, what you're speaking to us, what you're, what you're calling us to do, um, 
is, is something that we can find joy in. Thank you. Amen.